this side and be sworn. Good afternoon. State your name for the record, please. Myron M. Levin. You do solemnly swear that the testimony she give this court will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I will. Thank you. May have a seat in the witness stand. The witness is Myron Levine. Testimony that Mr. K, your attorney, offered before this court just a few minutes ago? Yes, I did. The information that he shared with the court in response to my questions, in response to Mr. Raleigh's question, was that information true and accurate to the best of your knowledge? That's correct. Has he, in fact, explained to you in detail your rights pursuant to the attorney-client privilege? That's correct. Is it your desire, in the course of these proceedings, to waive your right to confidentiality as to conversations you had with Mr. K the early part of December 1994, specifically pertaining to a conversation in a diner, which was a follow-up to a conversation where you reached out for him at his office. That's correct. Okay. In that regard, sir, do you feel like you have a full understanding of what your rights are? That's correct. Has anybody pressured you or forced you or threatened you in connection with this decision to waive your rights? No, sir. Is this being done freely and voluntarily on your part? That's correct. Are there further questions for the gentleman here? Okay, Mr. Riley, you may cross-examine. I have no questions, sir. All right. Very good, then. Uh, I find, based upon the testimony presented, that Mr. Levin does knowingly and voluntarily waive his rights uh, with respect to the attorney-client privilege. He has waived those rights to privacy, and uh, he does so voluntarily and knowingly. Uh, then he will be the next witness, or Mr. K would be? Uh, he will be the next witness. Judge, uh, my understanding is that uh, the state has no ability to bring out a direct case any prior consistent statement made by this defendant. However, should there be cross-examination as to the credibility or lack of credibility of the witness uh, in rebuttal to that on redirect, it's my understanding that pursuant to the rules, the state has the right to uh, bring out prior consistent statements so as to uh, to meet the challenge to credibility. That is correct. Right. That being the case, um, I don't know that it's really necessary at this juncture to have Mr. Um, K remain seated in that spot. I think the need would only arise should that area of inquiry be opened through cross-examination. So uh, I can ask you to have a seat in the gallery if you would. Right, and Your I Honor, think... Uh, just, just so the record is clear, Mr. K's name appears uh, on the joint witness list. Yes, it does. That is correct. I know the events of today were not anticipated, but I, I just wanted to make sure the record reflected that. Yes. Right, and we can bring the jury back in. This witness's name is Myron Levin, and he has already been sworn. The oath was just administered to him by the court clerk a moment ago. Mr. Lynch, you may proceed. Thank you, Judge. What town do you live in, Mr. Levin? Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And how long have you been a resident of Cherry Hill? About 18 years. Mr. Levin, do you know the defendant, Fred Newlander? Yes, I do. How long have you known him? Can all members of the jury hear Mr. Levin? Okay, because there is a way to amplify his voice if you need me to do that. If you could, that would be helpful. All right. Um, 
Well, yeah, we just make sure it's on. It's all right, man. Here, it's up to you. How long have you known Mr. Newlander, sir? I'd say about since um, 1990. And how did you meet him? Uh, playing racquetball in uh, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Did you ever play with him in the sport of racquetball? Yes, sir. And where did you play? Cherry Hill, New Jersey, mainly. Is there a particular club or place that you went? Um, Gold's Gym, mainly. Uh, when this relationship began, sir, how frequently would you play racquetball with him? I uh, played him maybe once a week or every other week um, while uh, uh, he was a rabbi. Okay. Now, besides playing racquetball with Rabbi Newlander, did you ever have occasion to socialize with him in any other way? Very little, mainly about four, five, six times tops in all those years. Did you ever meet his wife, Carol Newlander? Yes, I did. In what context did you meet her? How'd you meet her, sir? I had met her when she was working uh, 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 in the place where she was. Uh, in the cookie place over there in Cherry Hill. Okay. And uh, also, uh, I had met her um, uh, at my party one time. Okay, you gave a party one and, time? And, and also uh, at their house when they invited me over for dinner. Okay, when you say their house, who are you referring to, sir? The rabbi and his wife. All right. Do you have a recollection as to when that was? You were invited over for dinner? Oh, I'd say it's um, somewhere around September, I guess, of the, the, the 1994. Okay. And besides socializing at events of that kind, you got any other affairs with him that you remember? Did I have any affairs with him in, in, in what respect, sir? Well, you said that you went there for dinner. That's correct. And you said that you went to a party, is that right? I had a birthday party in 1994, October. Do you remember the approximate date of the party? It was on a, uh, it was on a, um, it was on a Sunday, right. around, the, I'd say October 8th, 9th, whatever it may be, because mm -hmm. my birthday's on the 10th. 10th of October? Yes, sir. How old are you now, sir? 77. Mr. Levin, this birthday party that you had back in 94, <clears throat> where did you hold it? Um, Mrs. London's. And Mrs. London's is a lady's house or it's a... No, it was a, it was a restaurant. <laughs> okay. Just wanted to clarify that. And how many people did you invite to attend the party? Approximately around 40, 45 people. And did Rabbi Newlander attend? Yes, he did. Did he bring anybody with him? Yes, he did. Who did he bring with him? His wife.
photograph. It's warrant S34 for identification. I ask you if you've ever seen that photograph before. Yes, it is. Yes, I did. I'm sorry. Who's in that photograph? It is the rabbi's wife and a lady friend of mine at that time. And who's the fourth person? The rabbi, his wife, lady friend of yours, and? Me. Okay. And was this taken at the birthday party? That's correct. Remove uh, S34 and Evans, Okay. Yeah, that will be received in evidence. Yes. social setting or in a racquetball setting, did you ever have any conversations with him regarding his marriage? Not really. Uh, the only time that the conversation started with uh, on his marriage uh, was um, was uh, around the 15th or 20th of uh, um, October of 1994. And where did that conversation take place, sir? In Gold's Gym. Who was present besides yourself and Rabbi Newlander? Nobody but us. What were the circumstances that led up to your being with him at that time? Well, we were playing racquetball, and uh, uh, I was beating him pretty good because <laughs> He wasn't uh, 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 all together there at the time. What do you, what do you mean when you say not all together well, there? Well, because he, he had obviously something on his mind, and uh, he, didn't, he, he didn't come anywhere near beating me at all. Okay. Were you playing for money, sir? No. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't afford it, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, uh, at the conclusion of this racquetball game, when you say that Rabbi Newlander was distracted, not playing well, did anything happen? Yes. Uh, as, we, uh, as we had left the racquetball court, we went in to cool off um, in a side room out there. And as we walked in there, he had taken his racket and threw it on the floor very hard. Hey, Fred, what the hell's wrong? He says, do you know anybody uh, that, uh, um, um, no, he says, I wish I could come home to find my wife um, dead in the, uh, in the bedroom, uh, in, uh, in the home, spread out on the floor. I says to you, what are you, fucking crazy? I'm sorry. Okay, you asked my permission last uh, year. Uh, <laughs> I says to you, what are you, fucking crazy? She's, he, and he says, and, uh, you know, um, 
I said, you have a wonderful wife, you got a lo lovely family, you got everything made for you, and, and you want to have somebody kill you? You are fucking crazy. Besides making that comment to you, sir, I wanted to find his wife down before he said anything else to you. Uh, he asked me whether or not I knew anybody that could do it. I said, ain't no way, leave me alone, forget about it. I don't want to know from nothing. Now, Mr. Levin, during the course of your lifetime, sir, have you had contact with the criminal justice system? Yes, I did. And do you have convictions in federal court? That's correct. And do you remember what you were convicted of and when you were convicted, sir? I was convicted in uh, around 1978, 79, and I was incarcerated in 1980 for two years uh, in um, um, Florida, uh, West Virginia, and in, uh, and in uh, um, up, up near, up near uh, started with a Allentown. Okay. Do you remember what the charges were, what the convictions were for that led you to be in prison, sir? Um, one was for um, um, I had um, done something on the um, food stamps at that particular time, and uh, I was sentenced to three years on one uh, one uh, uh, trial and, and five years on another trial, six years to run consecutive, eight years to run consecutive, I'm sorry. Okay. In that regard, uh, you talked about food stamps. Were you convicted of an offense involving unlawful possession and distribution of food stamps? That's correct. Were you convicted of a bribery offense? I don't, re I don't recall that, frankly. Okay. Were you convicted of a conspiracy charge? Conspiracy involving uh, traveling in furtherance of racketeering? I don't recall that either, sir. Okay. Your recollection is that you did some time in federal prison, though? <laughs> Sometime I did it all. <laughs> okay. And do you remember when you were released from prison? I was released in prison uh, around May 27th, 28th of 1982. During the course of your relationship with Rabbi Newlander, did you discuss with him or reveal to him information regarding your background, your criminal background? I really don't recall, sir. Did you ever have any conversation in which you discussed the fact you're an ex-cop? Maybe um, um, as I got to know him better and, uh, and we would talk about conversation, whatever it may be, and then the, the, if this were brought up, I told him I had nothing to hide, basically. Okay. Now, in connection with your relationship with the defendant, sir, Following his wife's death, her murder, in November of 1994,
did you have a continuing relationship with Rabbi Newlander? Yes, sir. And did you see him more frequently or less frequently at that time? More frequently. Why was that? Because what had happened is that um, after she uh, um, after she was buried, um, uh, he had told me that uh, he was being let go uh, at the synagogue and that uh, he, uh, he would probably not be working much longer. Okay. Did you continue to play racquetball with him? More so. How frequently did you play racquetball with him after his wife's murder, sir? Two or three times a week. All right. Did you have any other personal or business dealings with him? Well, uh, I had put him to work with me for about two months. possibly to try and help him have a job somewhere or, or, or a business in the outdoor advertising business of which I was involved in at that particular time. And uh, I went to New York with him uh, up and back uh, once for sure, maybe twice. And uh, uh, other things in and around the town that possibly were, were involved with the outdoor advertising business. Okay. Mr. Levin, have you ever had health problems in connection with your heart? Yes, sir. And do you know how long you've had that kind of problem? It could be as much as five years, four or five years. Okay. Could it be longer than that? I don't think so. Did you ever discuss with Rabbi Newlander your health issues? Yes. Okay. How frequently did you see him after the early part of 1995, which is what you just described to us, as, as time went on, how frequently did you have contact with him? Well, I'd say I'd, uh, uh, I would talk to him at least three times a week, two, three times a week, in order to play racquetball and what time we would play there together. And uh, then I had, um, um, I had a, a friend, um, who possibly uh, wanted to get involved in some money in order to operate a business. I'm not going to ask you about that business dealing, sir. I'm I'm going to ask you about whether or not in the year 1997 you attended a wedding at the invitation of Rabbi Newlander. That's correct. Where did you go for this wedding? up in North New York somewhere, the tea, it started with a tea. Uh, refresh your recollection if I suggest? Certainly. Tarrytown, New York? That's it. Okay. And who did you go there with? I went there with a friend of mine, a lady friend. Uh, and whose wedding did you attend in August of 1997 at the invitation of Rabbi Newlander? Rabbi's wife. Um, a daughter. Do you remember his daughter's name? No, I don't. Okay. Have you seen her here today, the daughter that you attended? I saw her when I came in the door, sir. Okay. I have no further questions for the witness, Your Honor. Okay, you may cross-examine. Thank you, Judge. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. You indicated to us that you first met Rabbi Newlander in 1990, was it? Around that year. Around that year. And the basis of your relationship was this racquetball uh, experience you shared together? That's correct. And as I recall your your direct testimony, you further indicated to us that you weren't real buddy-buddy with him. 
do you mean by buddy, buddy? I mean, I wasn't that friendly that I would call him often and uh, and have a conversation with him. No. Well, let's make it let's make it a little more narrow. Prior to his wife's death, you weren't really that 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 close to him. Not really. And in fact, I think you indicated to us that. Um, you weren't buddy-buddy. Is that the term you used? Well, the term buddy-buddy with me was that I wasn't very close with him as as I was after um, um, his wife's passing away. Okay, we're, we're going to get to that period of time in a moment, but you would agree with me that you were less friendly with him before her death and much more friendly with him after her death. Well, certainly, because I didn't know him. You didn't know him hardly at all, did you? No. Okay. Now, you're telling us that this gentleman that you did not know very well at all prior to his wife's death said to you prior to his wife's death, I want to come home and find my wife dead on the floor, correct? Say that again, please. Yes. That you were telling us that you had this relationship with this person, Rabbi Newlander, who told you, this is prior to her death, that he would like to come home and find her dead on the floor. The rabbi said that to me. I didn't say it to nobody else. That's right. I'm saying to you that you that say that that the rabbi told me that. Nobody else told me that, sir. That's that's what you just testified. That's correct. That the rabbi came to me one day, threw the things on the floor, and I said, "What the hell's wrong, Fred?" He said, "I wish I could go home and find my." To find my wife, to find my wife dead on the floor. Okay. And then he followed up with you and said, "Do you know anybody that can do it?" Right? I said, no. No, 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 no. I know that was your reaction, but he asked you basically, can you have somebody, can I hire somebody through you to kill my wife? And I said, no way. And you said, no way. That's correct, sir. Okay, and this is a man that you hardly knew at all. I knew him already for about, um, uh, went on off for, the, for about four years. Okay, we've already decided that he wasn't buddy-buddy, right? But we were friends talking with each other. <coughs> Now, he wasn't a friend with me every day or every every week or so, no. Okay, well, you already made that clear. That That's correct. That you already made that clear that he wasn't that friendly with you. That's correct. Okay, now, we made an attempt, Mr. Lynch made an attempt to discuss with you your criminal record. That's correct. Okay. And you seem to have some difficulties remembering specifics. Sir, about them. About 14, 15 months ago, I had an operation on my heart, okay. and I have lost some of my uh, wording. Well, I'm not too concerned about your wording. I'm asking about your memory now. I can memory, but, but it'll take me time sometimes to get it all out. It'll take as much time as you need. You sir. go ahead. All We're right. here. We're here. You would agree with me that um, uh, a trip to federal prison would be a uh, memorable event. I don't know what, what, what I would call. How about you? It doesn't, it doesn't matter what would be memorable for me, sir. It really matters what's memorable for you. Nothing's memorable in prison, sir. But I didn't ask you what was memorable in prison. What I asked you is that being sentenced to a federal prison should be, for most people, something that they would remember. I do remember. Okay, let's talk about that. Go ahead. <laughs> Mr. Levin, I very cautiously show you. I can't read, sir. Uh, can't read? No, I'll, sir. I'll read for you. It's not, not a problem. Okay. I want to show you what's in my D8 for identification for the record, okay? Now, this, 
I'm, I'm telling you what this is. I know you can't read it. This is a copy of... And because of the witness's reading problem, I don't have any difficulty if Mr. Riley wants to read things from the, from the paperwork to him. Okay, That's fine. Fine. thank you. This is a, what we call a criminal history. A rap <coughs> for you. I know that. I, I know you know. Now, there's a charge that shows here charge filing false tax returns sentence one-year probation $5,000 fine and that was in January 28th 1977 do you recall having a federal conviction for falling false tax returns in January if my name's on there sir it was it was done okay but you do have a do you have an independent memory of being convicted in 1977 for falling false filing false tax returns? if it's there sir I did it now we move on to the next one. February 24th, 1978. Charge, illegal possession of government food stamps. Sentence, three years confinement. Do you have an independent recollection as we hear today of being confined in federal prison for three years based on a conviction in February of 1978? Say that again, please. Sure. Do you have an independent recollection today as we are here of being convicted for illegally possessing government food stamps and being sentenced to three years in a federal prison. That's correct. Do you have an independent recollection as we're here today of being convicted of three counts of conspiracy in February of 1978 with a three-year federal prison sentence? If that's what it says, that's what it says. Do you, well, do you remember it? I have, I have a minor... Uh, memory of it, of it at this point. Okay. Uh, now, with regard to February of 1979, it shows conspiracy, wire fraud, with a sentence of five years in the federal prison. That's you, correct. You recall that one? Yes, I do. Okay. Now, now that's eight years altogether, sir. I know it's quite a while. Okay. Now, in April of 1981, do you have a recollection of being convicted for travel to aid racketeering and receiving a five-year sentence for that? 1981? Yeah, 19 I was incarcerated. Okay. In Morgantown? I was either in Florida or Morgantown, one or the other. Okay. But you re do you recall being convicted while being convicted while you're in prison on another charge? Not in 1981, no. Okay. It says right here. I don't care what it says. Okay. Well, you told me earlier if it says it here, it's right. That's wrong. Okay. <laughs> I was only incarcerated uh, uh, up around 1978, 79, and uh, I went into prison in uh, March of 1980. Okay. Do you remember the last conviction you have, which is in February of 19, 1992, which is again falling false income tax returns and the unauthorized That's totally wrong. transfer of food stamps? That's totally wrong. In 1982, I was out of prison, and, and I have never been arrested while I was in prison. Now, you were paroled in November of 1982. Correct? Around November, I believe. Okay. So as we sit here today, we've got one, two, three four, five, six federal convictions. Is that fair? If, you, if that's the way you can it. Well, 
After the murder of Carol Newlander, the police came to see you, didn't they? Did they come to see you? So sooner or later, I guess they did. Do you recall the police coming to see you in December of 1994? Either December. December of 1994, you said? Yes, sir. That's possible. Okay. You, do you have an independent recollection of the policy? No. no. How about February of 1995? February 1995 is um, we are ready to talk to somebody. Uh, um, um, in one of the areas, uh, because um, I wanted to talk to somebody uh, uh, the possible murder of um, um, Mrs. Newlander. Mm -hmm. And did you did you talk to somebody in February of 1995 about that topic? I was talking to my lawyer. No, I'm talking about a police officer. Police officer. I don't think we don't. I don't think that I talked to anyone at that particular time, as I did uh, somewhere in um, uh, March, which is the following month. Okay. You recall talking to a police officer then in March? That's correct, sir. Okay. And that's when you told <clears throat> told him for the first time that you would that Rabbi Newlander told you that he'd like to come home and find his wife dead on the floor. That's right. That's right. it. Okay. Now. You would agree with me as a person who has been to federal prison that the last thing you want to do is getting involved with law enforcement in a negative way. Is that fair? It's possible, but not true. It's possible, but not true? That's correct. Well, let me ask you this. Would you agree with me that if what you say is true, that occurred in the conversation back in October of 94, prior to Mrs. Newlander's death, Rabbi Newlander was soliciting you to help commit a murder? He solicited me to commit a murder after a racquetball game. I can't give you the exact date. I only know what happened, how it happened, and where it happened. Okay, well, would you... Does that answer you, sir? No, not quite. Well, I'll well then you can finish it up. I will. Now, would you agree with me that a person with your criminal history, okay, would want to stay as far away as possible from someone who would be tr attempting to implicate them in a crime? I did, sir. Yes, and after her death, you spent a lot more time with Rabbi Newlander, didn't you? He came to me and uh, he, he, was, he was asking me to possibly find him some kind of a job or work or something to be involved in because uh, he may not be working with the synagogue at that point. Okay. Now, my question was that if a person with your criminal history would not want to be involved with an individual who's attempting to solicit him to commit a crime, correct? At that point, I, I, I don't have anybody coming to me to commit any crime, sir. In fact, I haven't, I haven't been crying since, 19, uh, to, since 1978, 79, Harry. That's 20-some years, sir. Is it your testimony today that Rabbi Newlander asked you to arrange the death of his wife? Yes, he did. Okay, now do you agree with No, 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 not ask me that, that I did it, no. If, if I knew somebody that could do it. 
Okay. And if you told him, yes, I do, here's this gentleman's name and Sir, I didn't say yes, I do. Don't get that story screwed up. No, I won't get it screwed up. <laughs> would it be fair to say, sir, that you would want to stay as far away as possible from a person who's attempting to involve you in a crime? Sir, let me ask you, let me say this to you. He's a rabbi. I've been through this whole route for many years, and I would never dream that he would say something like that in a certain type manner. He said that I thought when it came out to me that it was just for conversation because he was very disturbed as, as to what was happening. Now, does that answer your question, sir? No, not really. Well, then finish it up. Well, I will. After you were solicited to involve yourself in a crime, you then spent even more time with Rabbi Newlander, according to your testimony. We were still playing racquetball uh, two, three times a week. Right. And he also... Around 1 o'clock in the afternoon, 12 o'clock uh, uh, in the afternoon, we would go over to the racquetball court and play. Okay. You didn't have any problems with your heart then, did you? No. Okay. In fact, you didn't have any problems with your heart until about four years ago. That's correct. Okay. Other than that, you're a very healthy guy. Yes, sir. Okay. Now, <clears throat> you told us that you continued to associate with him on an even more frequent basis after Harold Newlander's death. Sir, let's, let's clarify one thing. We, I did not go and make that I went to him all the time. This is a two-way street. He called me or I called him or we met each other. This is not where I called him all the time. Let's do this, Fred, or let's do that. This is a two-way street. Now, is that clarified, sir? No. Well, well then me, clarify. Well, let me ask you this question. In that March statement that you gave to the police, did you tell the police that not only did he ask you, or he suggested to you that he'd like to come home and find his wife dead on the floor, but that he also asked you to get him guns and ammunition to fight some skinheads? Sir, the guns and ammunitions came approximately anywhere from two to six months prior to that. He wanted me, uh, he asked me if I knew, uh, uh, if I knew of anyone, um, 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 if I knew of anyone where he could get some guns and ammunition. I said, Fred, what the hell is that for? He says, we want to get to the, we want to get to the Schwarzes, the skinheads, and the Puerto Ricans before they get to us. Now, your recollection of this conversation about Rabbi Newlander attempting to get ammunition and weapons to kill a variety of people. I didn't say that, sir. Well, at least defend himself from these people. Is that right? I didn't say that either, what sir. What did you say? Why I, do you want all to I, he just asked me whether, whether I knew anybody that could get it. Okay. Now, this, is, this, if this conversation you have with him is as accurate and as complete as the conversation you claim he had with you about having his wife killed. That's right. Okay. Did he ask you to help him at all with his homeless projects to bring homeless people in and give them food? Did he ask you for help there? Around the end of November of every year, he would ask me for some money uh, while he was at the synagogue to, uh, for me to donate some money uh, to help the um, uh, people there uh, for the holidays. And I had given him about 18000 I'm sorry, $1,800 every year for about four years. Okay. 
And this is the same guy that asked you for guns and, uh, and ammunition, right? We're talking about Fred. Yeah, we are. We're talking about Fred. Now let's talk about Fred some more. You never told anybody in authority, any police officers, the second part of the story. And by that I mean this. You said that he initially told you that he wanted to see his wife dead on the floor. Do you recall that? He said that uh, around, uh, I believe, in June of 94. Okay, I believe you said September, October, October whatever it may be. Well, June, I'm sorry, June, June was wrong. June was wrong. I mean, it was prior to, to um, her being killed. Okay, now do you remember being subpoenaed to the grand jury in 1997? Yeah. Okay. Do you remember September, going? I believe. Do you remember going? Late. Go ahead. You go ahead. It was late September, early October. All right. Do you remember being called to the prosecutor's office prior to your parents' grand jury? That's correct. Okay. And they wanted to talk to you about what your testimony would be, right? I guess so. Why else would they talk? Well, why, why else are you telling me? Well, I'm asking you. I'm just telling you this is what was said. Now, let me ask you this question. You still maintained that he, the only thing he said to you was, I'd like to find my wife dead on the floor. You never told him up to this point the second part of the story, which was, in fact, that he wanted you to hire somebody. Do you recall that? He asked me whether or not I could hire somebody to do it. I said, said Fred, get the fuck out of here. What are you, crazy? Having somebody killed. I said, you got such a lovely wife. You got wonderful children. And... Everything is going for you, and you got to have this happen. You're goddamn crazy. Right. Now, you told that to the police when they came to talk to you in December of 1994. That story that you just told me. I don't know. It was 90, uh, 94, but definitely in March of 96, uh, 95. You definitely told the police in March of 95. That's correct. That he asked you to have somebody to connect with somebody to kill his wife. You're, you're sure about that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. If I showed you your statement, do you think that would help refresh you your mind? Sure, you got it. Yeah. Would that help you remember what you said? You got to read it to me, sir. <coughs> statement, but I am going to read you a portion of it, and I'm going to do that in a minute. Uh, before I do that, however, I would like to ask you, um, prior to being put into the grand jury, did you have a conversation with members of the prosecutor's office regarding a tour-up that was purchased on behalf of you? A tour was made, um, um, I had purchased it from Fred um, approximately about um, about two or three months before my grandson got the bar mitzvah uh, at the synagogue. Okay, and you gave him $16,000. 20000 sir. $20,000 to purchase the Torah, correct? That's correct. Did he purchase that item and also another item on your behalf? It took him about, about six months when I uh, ordered, uh, asked him to get that Torah before uh, one day I said to him, Fred, when am I going to get this Torah? He says, don't worry, he says, everything's going to be all right. So then he ended up 
one day calling me up and uh, he had told me that he had, he had a Torah that came from, um, I think it was Warsaw, and uh, it was $20,000. And uh, I went over to his house when he picked it up. And I was there with uh, him and um, his wife. Now, you were told on the day that you appeared to discuss the testimony at the prosecutor's office in 1997 that that Torah was, in effect, not as valuable as you initially thought. Isn't that so? Sir, I don't know what the value was. Is that after, after this Torah uh, was um, investigated by um, other people, they had told me that this tower uh, was not worth anywhere near because there were, there were defects in there. And after you were told that the tower was not worth what you had paid for it, that's when you told the police that Rabbi Newlander asked you to get somebody to kill his wife. Isn't that right? He after didn't ask me, to, he asked me if I, if I knew anybody. I'm not gonna go looking for somebody to murder, sir. I got enough problems prior to all that, so I'm not getting involved. That's exactly the point. You wouldn't get involved in anything like that, would you? What, for what? To be involved with a person that's trying to solicit you to commit a crime. You would not be involved with a person like that. You asked him, I, I told you. You told me what? He just, you asked me whether or not I would not get involved. I don't want to get involved with anybody that's going to give me a problem. Okay, you hired him, didn't you? Did hired you? who? You hired Fred Newlander to work with you, didn't you? No, I did not. He came, he asked me whether or not that I could get him a job somewhere. So I took him, uh, I believe October and November uh, of either, uh, 1995 or 96 up to north um, up into New York uh, to try and find him some billboard locations and um, one day uh, I had taken him to some location where there was a possibility that uh, I would help him put up a billboard uh, up around exit 8 exit 9 area you were at the time in the business of um renting out billboard space, weren't you? That's correct. Okay. And that's what he was attempting to do, was work for you and rent out billboard space, isn't that right? If he could, or anything else that I could get him involved into working. Okay, so then when I indicated to you earlier that you had asked him to do some work for you, that would, the answer would be yes. Sir, I didn't ask him to do some work. I just asked him whether or not, uh, if he wants to work along with me. I didn't hire him the job. I see. Did you pay him any money for the work that he did? I think I gave him $2,000 a month okay. for two months, $4,000. And then I told him that I can't use him anymore because I didn't think that I could do any more for him. I see. Can we approach Judge, please? Yes, sir. And we'll resume in 10 minutes. Okay, thank you. you got back in October of 1994, okay? Say that again, please. Sure. Judge, I want to move a little bit closer so we can hear. You indicated to us that Rabbi Newlander made certain statements to you in October of 1994. Do you recall that testimony? Yes. Okay, you just gave it to us a few minutes ago. That's correct. Now, after Carol Newlander's death, Based on the information that you had, did you immediately go to the police 
police and report to the police the information that you had based on the conversations you had, which you claim you had with Rabbi Glenn. No, sir. You did not? No. In fact, when the police came to see you in December of 1994, you didn't really tell them anything, did you? Not too much. And you deliberately lied to them, didn't you? I didn't lie to them. I just I said, not too much. Okay. How about uh, the next time you talked to the police? It's February. Did you tell them what you just told the jury today? What happened in, uh, in February was we were going to... Um, through my attorney at that time, um, hold back until we were to talk to the uh, people in uh, February, March, which was the following month. Okay. But in February, when you met the police, you didn't tell them the same story that you told today, did you? More or less, uh, I didn't. I didn't elaborate on anything to speak of. All right. Now, in March of 1995, you gave a tape statement which was transcribed to the police. Do you recall that? Yes, I do. And it was given on March 3rd, 1995, 9.50 a.m. at the Camden County Prosecutor's Office. That's correct. Okay. And you wanted, of course, at that time to give them all the information that you had, correct? Yep. And you wanted to do that because that was the right and proper thing to do, wasn't it? That's good. As far as I was concerned, yes. Absolutely. Now, I'm, I understand you have some reading disabilities, so I'm going to read this question answer to you, okay? Go ahead. Now, you indicated to us earlier that the conversation you had with Fred Moran had two parts. One was, I'd like to see my wife dead on the floor. Number two, do you know anybody that can, that can do this? This is at the same time now. This, this, uh, the, 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 this was stated um, within minutes of one conversation to the other. Okay. Seconds. And uh, you agree with me in March when you came into the Camden County Prosecutor's Office, you wanted to give them all the information that you had, correct? Uh, what I could. Yes. Okay. Now, I'm going to read you this question. It's on page 16. Thank you. The question is, did Fred Newlander ever ask you at any time, anywhere, if you knew anybody who could have his wife killed? Do you see that? Yep. Okay. And your answer was, no, no way. Correct? Isn't that your answer? That was said, sir, to the, uh, uh, to the people uh, from the court at that point. Actually, it was... Uh, I didn't use those exact terms to Fred. The exact terms that, that I said to Fred was, uh, was off color. said Fred, I'm asking you what you told the police when you went there in March and you were there to help them and give them all the information you could give them. Did Fred Newlander ever ask you at any time, anywhere, if you knew anybody who could have his wife killed? And your answer was no, no way. Isn't that what you told the that's Kansas correct. County detective? That's 100% correct. And that's true, isn't it? That's correct. Okay. Did he ever insinuate that some else that he asked someone else or asked you if someone else could be counted on to do such a he thing? He asked me. And your answer at the time was, no way. He has never asked me anything that had to do with any illegality as far as murder was concerned, robbery or anything. Isn't that what you that's told That's correct. The if that's there, that's what it is. That's, that's what you told me. That's what I said then, sir. And now... Let's, let's move up time to the point where you're about to go before the Camden County Grand Jury in September of 1997, which is approximately two and a half years after you gave this <coughs> correct? If that was it. Okay. And at that time, 
they again asked you these similar questions. And you never, initially, you did not tell them that Fred Newlander asked you to have anybody arranged to have his wife killed. You still denied that, didn't you? I don't recall, sir. At the time they told you, Detective Devlin told you, that the Torah that was purchased on your behalf was in fact not valued to... Mr. Lynch, you may proceed. No convictions, is that fair? If, you, if that's the way you can it. Now, after the murder of Carol Newlander, the police came to see you, didn't they? they come to see you? Sooner or later, I guess they did. You recall the police coming to see you in December of 1994? Either December, December of 1994, you said? Yes, sir. It's possible. Okay. You, do you have an independent recollection of them coming no. to see you? No. How about February of 1995? February 1995 is, um, we are ready to talk to somebody uh, um, um, in one of the areas uh, because um, I wanted to talk to somebody uh, uh, of the possible murder of um, um, Mrs. Newlander. And did you did you talk to somebody in February of 1995 about that topic? I was talking to my lawyer. No, I'm talking about a police officer. Police officer. I don't think we don't. I don't think that I talked to anyone at that particular time, as I did uh, somewhere in um, uh, March, which is the following month. Okay. You recall talking to a police officer then in March? That's correct, sir. Okay. And that's when you told <clears throat> told him for the first time that you would that Rabbi Newlander told you that he'd like to come home and find his wife dead on the floor. That's right. That's, that's right. it. Okay. Now, you would agree with me as a person who has been to federal prison that the last thing you want to do is getting involved with law enforcement in a negative way. Is that fair? It's possible, but not true. It's possible, but not true. That's correct. Well, let me ask you this. Would you agree with me that if what you say is true, that occurred in the conversation back in October of 94, prior to Mrs. Newlander's death, Rabbi Newlander was soliciting you to help commit a murder? He solicited me to commit a murder after a racquetball game. I can't give you the exact date. I only know what happened, how it happened, and where it happened. Okay, well, would you... Does that answer you, sir? No, not quite. Well, I'll get well then you can finish it up. I will. Now, would you agree with me that a person with your criminal history okay, would want to stay as far away as possible from someone who would be tr attempting to implicate them in a crime? I did, sir. Yes, and after her death, you spent a lot more time with Rabbi Newlander, didn't you? He came to me and uh, he, he, was, he was asking me to possibly find him some kind of a job or work or something to be involved in because uh, he may not be working with the synagogue at that point. Okay. Now, my question was that if a person with your criminal history would not want to be involved with an individual who's attempting to solicit him to commit a crime, correct? 
at that point, I, I, I don't have anybody coming to me to commit any crime, sir. In fact, I haven't, I haven't been crying since, 19, uh, since 1978, 79 area. That's 20-some years, sir. Is it your testimony today that Rabbi Newlander asked you to arrange the death of his wife? Yes, he did. Okay, now do you agree with No, 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 not ask me that, that I did it, no. If, if I knew somebody that could do it. Okay. And if you told him, yes, I do, here's this gentleman's name and Sir, I didn't say, yes, I do. Don't get that story screwed up. No, I won't get it screwed up. <laughs> would it be fair to say, sir, that you would want to stay as far away as possible from a person who's attempting to involve you in a crime? Sir, let me, ask you th let me say this to you. He's a rabbi. I've been through this whole route for many years. And I would never dream that he would say something like that in a certain type manner. He said that I thought when it came out to me that it was just for conversation because he was very disturbed as, as to what was happening. Now, does that answer your question, sir? No, not really. Well, then finish it up. Well, I will. After you were solicited to involve yourself in a crime, you then spent even more time with Rabbi Newlander, according to your testimony. We were still playing racquetball uh, two, three times a week. Right. And he also... Around 1 o'clock in the afternoon, 12 o'clock uh, uh, in the afternoon, we would go over to the racquetball court and play. Okay. You didn't have any problems with your heart then, did you? No. Okay. In fact, you didn't have any problems with your heart till about four years ago. That's correct. Okay. Other than that, you're a very healthy guy. Yes, sir. Okay. Now, <clears throat> you told us that you continued to associate with him on an even more frequent basis after Harold Newlander's death. Sir, let's, let's clarify one thing. We, I did not go and make that I went to him all the time. This is a two-way street. He called me or I called him or we met each other. This is not where I called him all the time. Let's do this, Fred, or let's do that. This is a two-way street. Now, is that clarified, sir? No. Well, well then me, clarify. Well, let me ask you this question. In that March statement that you gave to the police, did you tell the police that not only did he ask you or he suggested to you that he'd like to come home and find his wife dead on the floor, but that he also asked you to get him guns and ammunition to fight some skinheads? Sir, the guns and ammunitions came approximately anywhere from two to six months prior to that. He wanted me, uh, he asked me if I knew, uh, uh, if I knew of anyone, um, 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 if I knew of anyone where he could get some guns and ammunition. I said, Fred, what the hell is that for? He says, we want to get to the, we want to get to the Schwarzes, the skinheads, and the Puerto Ricans before they get to us. Now, your recollection of this conversation about Rabbi Newlander attempting to get ammunition and weapons to kill a variety of people. I didn't say that, sir. Well, at least defend himself from these people. Is that right? I didn't say that either, what sir. What did you say? Why I, you all I, he just asked me what, uh, whether I knew anybody that could get it. Okay. Now, this, is, this, is, this conversation you had with him is as accurate and as complete as the conversation you claim he had with you about having his wife killed. That's right. Okay. 
Did he ask you to help him at all with his homeless projects to bring homeless people in and give them food? Did he ask you for help there? Around the end of November of every year, he would ask me for some money uh, while he was at the synagogue to uh, for me to donate some money uh, to help the um, uh, people there uh, for the holidays. And I had given him about eighteen thousand. I'm sorry, eighteen hundred dollars every year for about four years. Okay. And this is the same guy that asked you for guns and uh, and ammunition, right? We're talking about Fred. Yeah, we are. We're talking about Fred. Now let's talk about Fred some more. You never told anybody in authority, any police officers, the second part of the story. And by that I mean this. You said that he initially told you that he wanted to see his wife dead on the floor. Do you recall that? He said that uh, around, uh, I believe, in June of 94. Okay, I believe you said September, on October, whatever it may be. Well, June, I'm sorry, June, June was wrong. June was wrong. It was prior to um, her being killed. Okay, now do you remember being subpoenaed to the grand jury in 1997? Yeah. Okay. Do you remember September, going, I believe. Do you remember going? Late, go ahead. You go ahead. It was late September, early October. All right. Do you remember being called to the prosecutor's office prior to your parents' grand jury? That's correct. Okay. And they wanted to talk to you about what your testimony would be, right? I guess so. Well, why else would they talk? Well, why, why else are you telling me? Well, I'm asking you. I'm just telling you this is what was said. Now, let me ask you this question. You still maintained that he, the only thing he said to you was, I'd like to find my wife dead on the floor. You never told him up to this point the second part of the story, which was, in fact, that he wanted you to hire somebody. Do you recall that? He asked me whether or not I could hire somebody to do it. I said, said Fred, <laughs> get the fuck out of here. What are you, crazy? Having somebody killed. I said, you got such a lovely wife. You got wonderful children. And... Everything is going for you, and you got to have this happen? You're goddamn crazy. Right. Now, you told that to the police when they came to talk to you in December of 1994? That story that you just told me? I don't know it was 90, uh, 94, but definitely in March of 96, uh, 95. You definitely told the police in March of 95. That's correct. That he asked you to have somebody, to connect with somebody to kill his wife. You're, you're sure about that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If I showed you your statement, do you think that would help refresh you your mind? You got it. Yeah. Would that help you remember what you said? You got to read it to me, sir. <laughs> statement, but I am going to read you a portion of it, and I'm going to do that in a minute. Uh, before I do that, however, I would like to ask you, um, prior to being put into the grand jury, did you have a conversation with members of the prosecutor's office regarding a Torah that was purchased on behalf of you? A Torah was made, um, um, I had purchased it from Fred um, approximately about um, about two or three months before my grandson got the bar mitzvah, 
uh, at the synagogue. Okay, and you gave him $16,000 to... $20,000, sir. $20,000 to purchase the Torah, correct? That's correct. Did he purchase that item and also another item on your behalf? It took him about, about six months when I uh, ordered, uh, asked him to get that Torah before uh, one day I said to him, Fred, when am I going to get this Torah? He says, don't worry, he says, everything's going to be all right. So then he ended up one day calling me up and uh, he had told me that he had, he had a Torah that came from, um, I think it was Warsaw, and uh, it was $20,000, and uh, I went over to his house when he picked it up, and I was there with uh, him and um, his wife. Okay. Now, you were told on the day that you appeared to discuss the testimony at the prosecutor's office in 1997 that that Torah was, in effect, not as valuable as you initially thought. Isn't that so? Sir, I don't know what the value was. Is that after, after this Torah uh, was um, investigated by um, other people, they had told me that this tower uh, was not worth anywhere near because there were, there were defects in there. And after you were told that the tower was not worth what you had paid for it, that's when you told the police that Rabbi Newlander asked you to get somebody to kill his wife. Isn't that right? He after didn't ask me. To, he asked me if I, if I knew anybody. I'm not going to go looking for somebody to murder, sir. I got enough problems prior to all that, so I'm not getting involved. That's exactly the point. You wouldn't get involved in anything like that, would you? What? For what? To be involved with a person that's trying to solicit you to commit a crime. You would not be involved with a person like that. You asked him. I, I told you. You told me what? He just, you asked me whether or not I would not get involved. I don't want to get involved with anybody that's going to give me a problem. Okay, you hired him, didn't you? To, to hired who? You hired Fred Newlander to work with you, didn't you? No, I did not. He came, he asked me whether or not that I could get him a job somewhere. So I took him, uh, I believe October and November uh, uh, of either, uh, 1995 or 96 up to north uh, up into new york uh, to try and find some billboard locations and um, one day uh, i had taken him to some location where there was a possibility that uh, i would help him put up a billboard uh, up around exit 8 exit 9 area you were at the time in the business of um renting out billboard space, weren't you? That's correct. And that's what he was attempting to do, was work for you and rent out billboard space, isn't that right? If he could, or anything else that I could get him involved into working. Okay, so then when I indicated to you earlier that you had asked him to do some work for you, that would, the answer would be yes. Sir, I didn't ask him to do some work. I just asked him whether or not uh, if he wants to work along with me. I didn't hire him the job. I see. Did you pay him any money for the work that he did? I think I gave him $2,000 uh, a month okay. for two months, four thousand dollars, and then I told him that I, I can't use him anymore because uh, uh, I didn't think that. Just so everybody in the jury is clear, the Torah is a very holy book in the Jewish faith, isn't it? Yeah. And it's something of significance, is it not? Yes, it was. Okay. And 
I know you're a bit irreverent in your, in your manner, sir, but you agree that this is a matter of, of reverence? This is an item that should be revered? That's correct, sir. Okay. You made a decision, did you not, that you were going to buy the Torah? Yes. Form the question there's been a meeting for the last several questions. Okay. Um, what were the circumstances surrounding that decision, sir? Why did you want to buy this Torah? My grandson was being um, bar mitzvah shortly, and I thought that I would like to buy him something so that uh, uh, when he goes before the Torah, that he would have something that came from uh, um, um, Warsaw uh, at that point, which was a holy sign uh, uh, back in around 1920s, 30s, and 40s, right uh, during the war, before the war. Okay. Now, in the Jewish faith, sir, if someone purchases a Torah and makes a contribution to that Torah, is it customary that that be donated in someone's honor? Yes, it was. Did you make a decision to donate this Torah in honor of someone? I had it uh, for my wife, Rita. Is she still living, sir? No, sir. She passed away in 1982. Now, in response to Mr. Riley's question, you indicate that when you were told or when you learned that the Torah that had been purchased was not worth the amount of money that you paid for it, you were upset. Is that correct? Very much so. Okay. You indicated in response to his questions that that day was the first day that you told the authorities about the issue of Rabbi Newlander asking you if you knew somebody to kill his wife. Is that right? You have to, you have to say that over I'll, again. I'll please. try to answer. You told Mr. Riley on cross-examination that the same day you found out about the Torah, they had a problem. On that day was the first time you told the police officers and the detectives that besides saying he wanted to find his wife dead on the floor, Rabbi Newlander also said to you, you know anybody could do that? So, that's it. So that, that's the question. Was it the same day? No. You about the Torah? No. Well, the Torah came later. The, the day that... Pardon me, sir. I'm sorry. That Torah came uh, um, around uh, um, on my grandson's um, um, bar mitzvah, okay. which was around 19, 1997, 96, or whatever it may be. 77, 70, whatever it was. Okay. We're talking about time frame now, sir. If you recall, uh, Mr. Riley asked you some questions about being subpoenaed for the grand jury. You remember that? Go ahead. And my recollection is, and you correct me if I'm wrong, that you said you did get a subpoena, and you think it was around the latter part of September of 97. Is that right? Yes. Okay. In connection with that, you told Mr. Riley that you went and met with people at the prosecutor's office together with your lawyer, Mr. K. Yeah. I'm trying to lay the foundation for another question. 
I think given the, some of the difficulties with the witness, it's really only just repeating what the witness had just testified That's to a fine. few moments ago, so I will allow it. Thank you. On that day in September of 97, did you learn anything from Investigator Devlin regarding Mr. Federici? With regards to what? With regard to a statement he may have provided. Who may have provided? Mr. Federici. Do you remember if there was a tape recorder in the room when you met with Investigator Devlin? There was a tape recorder in the room with us through Devlin or you, sir. I didn't know who it was. I didn't okay. even know about it. Was anything played on that tape recorder that you heard? Whatever was heard, you had um, um, turned that tape on, and uh, and I heard it. And um, uh, whatever it was, uh, I said, uh, I had told you that if I said it, then it was done. Whether or not I forgot it at that point is another story. Okay. You know whose voice was on the recording on the tape? Whose Federici. voice was it? Federici. Right. Okay. Do you know what the topic was or what the subject matter was that was on that tape? Do you remember? Something about the murder is all I can recall. Okay. Mr. Levin, are you making up lies about this defendant, Mr. Newlander, because you're upset with him? Do you have a reason to lie against him? Sir, I, I have no reason to lie for anybody. No reason to lie. Just because of that Torah is is not the reason to have a problem. The, I'm telling you what he told me, not what I told him. He told me that he wanted to have his wife killed, etc. All that other stuff. End of story. Is that true? Certainly, it's true. What do I got to lie for? Nothing further. Okay, recross. Yeah, sure. Fred Newlander ever asked you at any time, anywhere, if you knew anybody that could kill his wife? He said, no, no way. So you weren't lying then either, were you? At that particular point, I was trying to protect anything that, uh, than to put him in on a situation where, where he could um, be involved with the situation. Okay. Then when you said, did he ever insinuate that some, did ever insinuate that uh, some else, that he had asked someone else or asked you if someone else could be counted out to do such a thing? To, to, and to your, answer, ahead, I'm sorry. your answer was, no way. He has never asked me anything that had to do with any illegality as far as the murder was concerned. That was the truth, wasn't it, when you told it? If that's what it is, that's what it said. Now, I want to show you some more D10 for identification. I know you've got some reading problems, but can you recognize the handwriting? Just take a moment and take a look at it. My handwriting. Your handwriting. And this is on a Cherry Hill Police Department statement of facts form, isn't it? 
I don't know. You see that? Say right up here. Cherry Hill Police Department Statement of Facts. And you filled this out, didn't you? I filled this is my writing and this is my writing. That's your signature, isn't it? This is my writing. Now, you just got finished telling Mr. Lynch that you weren't all that upset about this, this Taurus situation. Do you recall that? Certainly. Okay. Isn't it true that you filed a criminal complaint against Fred Newlander on, on the issue of the Torah back in 19... Actually, 1995. I'm sorry, no, 19... Date here is 1998. I filed a thing on him. If, I, if it was there, I did it. You said in your statement of facts, on September 19th, I found out through Detective Marty Devlin at the Camden County Prosecutor's Office that the purchase of the Torah by Newlander was valued at two to 3000 and that was something... Religious articles were purchased against my check that were not authorized. You filed a criminal complaint against them for this, didn't you? You were angry about it. I'm angry at a lot of things sometimes, sir, not just that. You were specifically angry about this because in 1998, which would have been approximately 14 months after you were told, you went to the police and filed a criminal complaint about it, didn't you? What you see there is what you get, sir. Yeah, that's right. Thank you, sir. I'm going to object to the characterization SFE's trick of the record, Your Honor. Has the jury be given the appropriate instruction? Not a question, Judge. No, it is not, not a question. question. It's, a, it's a comment on an answer. So you're right. It's not a question, and therefore it should be disregarded by the jury. <laughs> no further questions, Your Honor. Right. Uh, Mr. Levin, thank you very much. You may step down. All right, thank you, you are excused. Okay, the state may call its next witness. Thank you, Judge. State calls Jamie Kay. Yes. Well, I'm going to ask that you come forward and be sworn. I know you were sworn before. But. 